Hello, and a warm welcome to my Asthma Spotlight podcast. I'm Dr. Mark Levy. I'm a family doctor with a special interest in asthma. My aim is to help people with asthma and also their caregivers to understand more about this disease and how to stay safe. I will share lots of information about asthma. However, I will not be able to answer any personal medical questions for which you should really consult your own doctor. The opinions I express in the Asthma Spotlight podcast are my own and they are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical, health or professional advice of any kind. Please do see the disclaimer details in the podcast description. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Following the tragic, potentially preventable death of another young child in the United Kingdom, I'm continuing my discussion on the role that primary care healthcare professionals can play to end these tragic events in children particularly. If you haven't done so already, please do listen to the Asthma Spotlight episode number 50 on the inquest findings related to this sad death. I'll put a link to my seven-step plan in the text. And this is simply a way that general practices in the UK, certainly in other countries as well, could start taking asthma seriously and to really put an end to asthma attacks, which are significant events which can lead to serious outcomes. In essence, a system should be in place to identify patients who've had an asthma attack, to review the records of these patients, to identify modifiable risk factors that can cause attacks and ensure that these are fixed, i.e. action is taken for that individual person, and also ensure that systems are put in place to prevent others from having these attacks. So before I continue, if you find these podcasts helpful, please click the follow button so you'll get a reminder whenever a new episode is published. The key issue is that asthma attacks are preventable in the vast majority of cases. And an attack means that either the treatment is not working or that not enough has been prescribed or collected or that there are problems related to the way that the medication is being taken. 
Now, we've known about modifiable risk factors for asthma attacks for many years, 60 years in some of these risk factors. And I'm referring to factors associated with asthma attacks that could be fixed to prevent future attacks. So far, I've discussed ways to deal with two of these modifiable risk factors that cause asthma attacks. I did so in the last few episodes. These were first to do with excess short-acting beta agonist inhaler um, prescriptions. Prescriptions for three or more of these inhalers in a year, which are usually the blue ones, are well-recognized signal that something has gone wrong and that the person is at risk. Last week I discussed the role of insufficient inhaled corticosteroid preventer inhalers, which is another reason why many people have asthma attacks. These drugs prevent attacks by treating the underlying inflammation which is caused by asthma. So today I'm focusing on a third potentially modifiable factor, and that is inhaler technique. Now the main treatments for asthma are delivered through an inhaler device, and obviously if someone doesn't know how to use their inhaler, the drug cannot reach the places in the lungs where they work. Therefore, it is the responsibility of any prescriber to ensure that a patient can use their inhaled medication. So either the prescriber has to demonstrate how to use the inhaler device, or someone else who is trained to do so must do this job. And sadly, in the United Kingdom, asthma care has been delegated in many instances to people who are not adequately trained for this role. There are many different inhaler devices available for prescribing for asthma, and unless the person teaching a patient knows how to use the particular device that has been prescribed for that patient, something is bound to go wrong. Checking inhaler technique is part of the process involved in doing asthma reviews. So anyone who is delegated to do asthma reviews does need to know how to check inhaler technique. And they need to know how to use the particular inhaler device that that person has been prescribed. In addition, that person should be trained in how to teach the use of the inhaler device. There are, of course, good inhaler training videos available, for example, on the Lung and Asthma UK charity website. However, these are not a substitute for an appropriately trained individual to check a person's inhaler technique and either correcting this when it's incorrect or prescribing an alternative device that the person demonstrates that they can use. While there are many different devices, there are two main types prescribed for asthma, and these are the press and breathe inhalers and the dry powder devices. So firstly, the press and breathe inhaler devices, these have the drug inside a pressurized canister and when the top of the canister is pressed, the drug comes out of a mouthpiece in the form of a spray. Now these inhaler devices require quite a lot of coordination between actuating or pressing the canister and breathing. So when using a press and breathe inhaler, you need to get two things right. These are timing of when you start breathing, just before actuating the inhaler, and the speed that you breathe in. So regarding the timing, you need to time it so that immediately after you start breathing in, you then actuate the inhaler. 
So after first breathing out as far as you can, you then place the mouthpiece of the inhaler in your mouth, making sure it's between and not in front of your teeth, and you need to ensure that your lips are sealed tightly around the mouthpiece so no air or drug can escape. Then you start breathing in slowly, and I emphasize the word slowly. It's a slow, deep breath. And once you've started breathing in slowly, in fact, just after you start to breathe in, you then press the top of the canister to actuate the delivery of the drug, which then sprays into your mouth while you continue to breathe in slowly for at least five seconds. And then you hold your breath for about 10 seconds or as long as you can. Slow breathing means that you should take at least five seconds to breathe in. That ensures the correct speed of airflow to carry the drug into your lungs. And the reason why you hold your breath afterwards is because the air keeps flowing into your lungs and that makes sure the drug reaches the small airways in your lungs where it works. So using these press and breathe inhaler devices does require skill in teaching as well as actually using the device. Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y dot and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Now, the second common type of inhaler that's prescribed is a dry powder inhaler. And after preparing the device and the preparation of the device, i.e. loading the drug, so that it becomes available to breathe in, will differ between the different devices. So the person prescribing and teaching the patient how to use these also needs appropriate training in the particular device that that patient is using. Then once the device is prepared, the way that you inhale from a dry powder device is different from that when you're using a pressurized or press and breathe inhaler. In the case of dry powder devices, After you've sealed your lips around the mouthpiece of the device, you breathe in more forcefully than you would with a press and breathe inhaler. So in this case, you breathe in quickly and deeply to enable the drug to be first released from the inhaler and then delivered to the lungs. And you also need to to ensure that this quick and deep breath continues for at least three or four seconds. So there are other types of inhaler devices available for prescription, but I just wanted to emphasize the differences between the two main types of inhaler that are prescribed. Um, Now, the other thing that you should know is that if a patient is using a press and breathe inhaler and they can't use it properly, sometimes they are helped 
by using a spacer device attached to that press and breathe inhaler. It reduces the need for such accurate coordination. And in the case of young children, if they are prescribed a spacer device, they should be switched from a mask-type device to a mouthpiece-type device over the age of three years old. So in previous podcasts, I've called for decisive action by healthcare professionals to accept that asthma attacks are a signal that treatment has failed. Because most asthma attacks can be prevented, and in most cases, preventable factors are present, such as, for example, as I've discussed in this episode, poor inhaler technique. In a previous episode, I did describe my seven-point plan to put an end to asthma attacks in primary care. And I have put a link to this in the description. In essence, the plan starts with healthcare professionals accepting that an asthma attack is a significant event that needs to be dealt with urgently. So in essence, in order to identify preventable risk factors for attacks, a practice would start by identifying and coding all people who've had asthma attacks. That would include people who've been admitted to hospital or seen in the ED department, or who've been prescribed short courses of oral corticosteroids or uh, a bursts of nebulized short-acting beta agonist in the practice. And those people are then assessed in detail, and it's not complicated. I've provided a template to enable clinicians to do this. And then each case is discussed in a regular meeting, which is held in the practice. Now, for most practices, this will not involve more than two or three cases in a month. If you're having more patients having asthma attacks than that, then you've got a problem. But it'll involve two or three cases a month, and that'll help both to inform the practice um, staff on modifiable risk factors. It'll help to fix the problems in the individual patients, and it'll also help to um, put systems in place in the practice to prevent attacks so that these problems are eradicated. So in summary, in this episode, I focused on identifying those who are not able to use their inhalers and taking appropriate action to fix this. If people with asthma are unable to use their inhaler, they will not benefit from the drug treatment. Now that might sound like a no-brainer statement, but it's something that many people don't realize because inhaler technique is not checked routinely by somebody appropriately trained to do so. So those prescribing inhalers need to ensure that the device is used correctly, and that means that healthcare professionals should be able to use the devices they prescribe so that they can um, identify the correct device for their patient because if you prescribe an inappropriate device to a patient, they're not going to be able to use it. Then the prescriber needs to be able to teach the patient how to use their device and assess the patient to make sure that they're using it correctly. Or those people who are delegated to assess people with asthma or their inhaler technique need to be appropriately trained and they need to be taught how to teach people how to use their inhaler device. Something I didn't mention is that patient preference is also very important. And 
Um, there have been some very interesting studies showing that if a patient doesn't like the device that they've been prescribed, they're not going to use it as, as frequently as we hope. So check with the patient that they actually like the device that's been prescribed and that they will use it. And finally, people who've had asthma attacks should have their inhaler technique checked. And if this is poor, it is incumbent on the prescriber or the person assessing the patient to take steps to ensure that the person is either taught to use the device correctly or they are prescribed a different device that they like and that they can use. Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you found this helpful, and I hope you did, please click the like and the follow buttons and share this podcast. Please do send me any feedback or questions to my email address, asthmaspotlight.com at gmail.com and I'll do my best to answer these in future episodes.